0: The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode forty-three of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host Mike Dawson coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week, I am sitting down. actually is our first in-person episode. I'm over at Hawthorne Drum Shop in McKees Rock, Pennsylvania, which is just a couple miles north of downtown Pittsburgh. I'm sitting with the um, owner of the company, Chris Hawthorne, and we are going to just pick through some of his coolest stuff he has in the shop and get some background on. You know how he got into this crazy business. Some of his favorite things. Some myth busting about buying and selling vintage drums. So this is um, definitely check out the video version if you're only listening to this on audio. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a, sh- a true gearhead nerd fest. So let's get right to it with Chris Hawthorne of Hawthorne Drum Shop. How do you decide what to sell and what to keep?
0: Oh, man. It- <laughs> So here's what I've learned over the years. I mean, okay. I started off a lot like other people. You're a drummer. And then you find something on Craigslist or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is cool. I'll play this. I'll, I'll gig this old kit. And then you find something else, and you trade that. And I was always, like, chasing, like, the kit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you'll talk to somebody and be like, oh, man, this is going to my grave. Right. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I got one or two. Do you? Yeah, so good yeah. for you. See, like, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found that yet. So for me, it's like, I don't know. If if something is just sitting on a shelf, which, you know, frankly, if I kept a lot of stuff, it would just sit on a shelf. Um, that's kind of how I don't keep it. So if I'm not going to play it, if it's not going to see use, then I send it along.
1: Mm. What have you kept?
0: Not a whole lot. Um, I got a few Keplinger snares. I mean, he's... He makes like the best drums. They're Mm -hmm. just my favorite. So I've, you know, got three or four of those. I have a couple of snare drums that were like, kind of like sentimental value. I have a Camco kit that's, I just love Camco.
1: Is that the one back there?
0: Yeah. Can you go snag the rack, Tom? Yeah, I'll go get it.
1: (laughs) What's the story behind this Camco? Where'd it come from?
0: So this one came from California. Uh, I found it on an auction site. And um, I have a friend who lives out in California. And I'm like, bro, and sometimes he'll pick up stuff for me. And I was like, listen, I'll give you, this is how much I'll pay you for the kit. If it sells for le- you know, less than that, um, obviously keep the money. And I don't want to say how much it sold for because it was just stupid, but he made <laughs> a lot of money, okay. which is great. Um, so I went to pick up the kit. turned out to be a three-hour drive. And I told him, because he had to ship it back to me, and I'm like, just... All the extra stains and the hardware, like just scrap it. He's like, all right. So he sends me the kit. It's, oh, it's got the snare too. it got the snare. Right here. It's four and a half by 14. Um, all like pretty much, not all original, but like. What is this?
1: Is that a muffler, muffler on the bottom? Yeah.
0: So like, it like goes up. It's got like this little wormy thing there.
1: Oh, wow. But really stupid. That is really strange.
0: Yeah. All they, the, they rattle a lot and sometimes like the wire d- of, uh, that part doesn't work anyway so I get it and it's like I man it's got everything you know, a couple of, like unoriginal tension rods or whatever but like throw off works everything works um no tom arm
1: mm. oh he threw it away
0: he threw it away <laughs> and like listen like I you know I'm not mad at him but, like he's like oh no I'm like yeah I'm like <laughs> you know and they're hard to find, man. Like, oh, they're not no. Easy. He's like, what's a new one cost? Like 50 bucks? I'm like, nope. <laughs> like 200. He's like, all right. He's like, well, uh, he's like, if you find one. So I found one and it was like a ton of money. But he bought it for me because he's a nice dude. Man. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Throw away everything but the Tom arms. There's your well, lesson. I should have specified that. <laughs> <laughs> throw away cymbal
0: stands, throws, no, you know, snare doesn't, baskets.
1: No. Right. <laughs> Don't throw
0: away legs. Don't throw away
1: Tom arms.
0: Man, I my old shop, um, I was in a warehouse about a mile down the road and it was in a, it was in a dump station. So there's like that literal dump station where like contractors would go throw away stuff, people cleaning their houses. And then there's a rehearsal building for like bands and there's a big warehouse in the back. And sometimes it would bring me stuff that people would like throw away. Nothing great, like a couple of symbols, but I'm like, it just makes you, makes me wonder like what, what mm. are in the landfills?
1: Mm. Well, I rescued a 70s 65 by 14 Superphonic from the trash. I oh. rescued a 6.5 WFL, whatever the mahogany drum was, mm-hmm. the, the Pioneer, whatever they yeah. called it. What else did I rescue from the trash? What I lost in the trash was my high school had a Ludwig kit with garnet and gold, two-tone sparkle. It was so a beautiful. Kit? A whole kit. thirteen, twelve, thirteen, sixteen, twenty four. 12, 13, 16, 24. Oh my god. They threw it away and replaced it with a Tama swing star. <laughs> I tried to track that kid down for years. 24 to, oh my It was Lord. the best sounding bass drum I've ever heard in my life. God. Had the original silver dot heads on it.
0: Dude, there, there's probably there's, there's probably <laughs> so much I don't want to think about it. There was a there's a story I heard from this one fella who he buys school instruments. So like woodwinds and are these ones in the band? Brass instruments. I got some symbols off of them. We were talking. He's like, I right. make a long story short. He bid on this big auction. Mm. And he lost. <laughs> and then like a month later, the school calls him. And it's like, hey... Do you want all this stuff? He's like, Yeah, he's like, Well you gotta get down here today because we're gonna bulldoze the school. Oh jeez. So he got like as many trucks as he could <laughs> and like he's walking like there's no power, so he's walking through with like flashlights, like Oh god. And he didn't even get to the percussion.
1: So he just got like tubas and stuff?
0: Yeah, everything he could fit. <laughs> and you know, it's just sad, man. <laughs> sad. Oh man. Wait, we didn't finish talking about oh, the yeah, Camco yeah. kit. So why why do you like Camco? Um, I don't know, man. Like my first Camco kit, I remember, they're hard to find. I mean, they didn't make a whole, whole lot of them compared to anything else. And I got, you know, I heard a lot of hype about them and I got my first one like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm. And they just have like a sound. Um, I think there's a video of Matt Chamberlain talking about like a Gretsch broadcaster on YouTube that I've seen. He's like, I like these because they... They sound like drums should sound. And that's Mm. kind of the way I think about Camco is like, they're nice and warm. They resonate like just enough. Um, And they're also really easy to tune. So like Mm. the shells are slightly, you can't see it, but they're slightly undersized. So heads fit on like super easy, they spin easy. Um, It's not like you're dealing with a 60s Gretsch where you have to like jam them on. I don't want
1: to talk about Gretsch because I don't like them.
0: That's okay. (laughs)
1: That's okay. That's the first thing everyone asks me because I have so many drums. Do you have any Gretsch? Nope. I had one snare and I sold it. Why don't it's you facile. like Gretsch? I don't like that they're, they're hard to tune and they're mm. way too expensive.
0: Best there. ever. Have you played square badge, Gretsch? Yes. Those, um, that's the best. That's what I
1: had my eye on for a while, but uh-huh. then the prices went way up. I, should, I saw one for 900 for like a four-piece kit. Cheap. I should have bought it. Should have. Now on there, no way you'll touch that price. now. So now. All right. Go back you. to what were you looking for? Cuz the first question was how do you decide what to sell and what to keep? So what was what were you looking for? Because Everything but this you're talking about selling, right?
0: Yeah. What was I originally like what do I look for yeah, that, if I'm going to keep something? Yeah,
1: the 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 kit that you'll get buried with.
0: Uh, I can tell you the snare drum. Okay. 80s Tama Bell Brass.
1: Ooh, all right. They're not impossible.
0: They're also like thousands of dollars <laughs> <laughs> there, that's 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 one I, I try to think too like like long term like what is what's going to go up in value like i think that like i have a lot my shop is is a lot of memorabilia so like mm-hmm. what's a cool thing to like display mm-hmm. like i have some stuff like um let me grab this real quick
1: all right oh look at that
0: this, this is this is a shriner's drum uh, Shiners, the
1: dudes are riding around in little motorcycles. Yeah,
0: I think this is a twenty-two by six. Um, you can see here, it's got like the, the head on it.
1: Yeah, it's that's super cool. Too.
0: Yeah, so I got this at um, the Delaware Drum Show, and they have it in, at the Nurse shrine. Um My buddy Joe Meckler, he puts on the show every year. And uh, he's like, yeah, he comes up to us like at the show and he's like, hey, like I pulled these drums out of the basement. Mm. Like, do you want to buy it? I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it. So I bought it. And it's just like, I don't know, it has like sentimental value because I think it was the first Delaware show I did. And I love that show. Um, and it's a cool display piece. Um, and so like, I won't sell this, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's just, it's also really dusty. And I have another one <laughs> in the back. It's a uh, 24 um, It's a Shrine drum. Which is cool. So Yeah. It's got meaning. It's like, you know, that's kind of what I think about, too, is like, what are things that have meaning? What are things that have use? What yeah. are things that, like, if I hold on to that maybe, you know, stuff will go up in value over the years? So That's kind of what I think about.
1: So would you ever sell the Camcos?
0: No. I say that now, but, like, if a really, like, if somebody made, like, a trade offer mm-hmm. that was, like, something else I wanted, more... I don't know what else I want more, though. <laughs> it just it's, it sounds like it's, it sounds, it's like it just sounds so good.
1: That's saying something. A room full of everything. Uh-huh. It's the cam code that you would pick to be your kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got Q in here. You've got everything in here. Ludwig, Slingerland, Rogers, Tama.
0: We've got a lot of stuff. Some crazy stuff. Vibes. C&C. Premier. We've
1: got them all. All right. Is there anything you wish you would have kept that you've sold?
0: Yes. Um, so I always think about this kit. There was another Camco kit. It was a green sparkle, Chanute era. So that was after they went to Oakland. Okay. Um, it wasn't a special kit. It was rewrapped in green. It had Yamaha hardware. It was a 2012-14. Just signing it again. It just sounded so good. Mm-hmm. And that like those aren't my sizes, but it was cool because I could gig with it. Like it had the Yamaha Spurs, which are great. It had a it's. I didn't have to like go out and like oh, I hope my bass drum doesn't slide across the stage. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about like dropping something on it and ruining the the finish. Um, and it sounded awesome. I think about that one a lot. Uh, I had a thermogloss kit maybe four or five years ago. That I think about a lot. What one. is
1: that? What's thermogloss?
0: So it's a finish. Ludwig did it in the 70s. Bonham. Bonham played that kid George Flutus who's like a big Bonham guy bought it from Chicago but it was a guy who lived about an hour south of Pittsburgh and it was a special order it was a 26 by 14 and Bonham used a, a Rogers mount mm, okay um, but instead of a Rogers mount it had a standard a Ludwig standard diamond plate on it and then like an arm that went out I've never seen that before mm. Um, and it was really clean, and I, lo- I like big size drums too, and I would just be like I, I don't I don't know I probably would have sold it, but I, I I don't know it was just a really cool kit and it came with another matching bass drum those Virgin
1: mm, and it
0: looked like it wasn't played.
1: Interesting. So someone bought a double bass bottom
0: kit. So the story was this this older fella he was probably in his 80s. Um, he bought it off of the original owner. I guess the guy's mom bought it for him. He played it couple months Hmm. and put it in cases and the guy did the same thing he didn't play it very long and he kept it in cases the superphonic when i pulled it out it was a 70s superphonic and i touched it and it took fingerprints which i've never seen before interesting yeah it was was crazy
1: well at least it went to someone who's like the bottom freak right
0: right (laughs) so he didn't buy the the matching 26 bass and he asked me all the time Hey man, like, if you like, I don't, I don't even remember who I sold it to. <laughs> so, But you can see him playing it in some of his videos. Yeah, it's a yeah. really cool kit.
1: All right. You said something a minute ago about, because you, you play mostly heavy music, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's kind of like, I don't want to talk about my early music influences because it's just very embarrassing. But
1: <laughs> well, my point is yeah. taking vintage drums out for a gig where you know you're going to be smashing is probably not the smartest decision.
0: I don't, yeah, I mean, when I was, like, doing stuff on the road, but I didn't tour a lot, you mm-hmm. know, like mostly, like, weekenders and stuff. I did some with vintage gear, but mostly I would, like, I had a cute couple of cute kids that I gigged with mm-hmm. that sounded awesome. I mean, well, I was playing a lot of rooms at, you know, no mics. Um, So basically what you're hearing from the drums is, you know, something mm-hmm. that was louder and powerful. But I have gigged some vintage stuff. I, the last gig I played, I played with the Camco. Um, oh, man. I remember there's this coffee shop in not Washington called Black Forge. Mm-hmm. And they used to do shows a lot. And my band would play there all the time for whatever reason. I remember, and their stage is not a big stage. Like, it's not enough for a band. Mm-hmm. In one gig, I had a 26, 14, 16, 18 <laughs> vibes. It was a the brush, brash, brass finish. I don't know what I was doing. There. That must have been so loud in there. It was, but you know what? It's not even that. Like, it's man, I'm so tired of, like, carrying big stuff. <laughs>
1: was that fiberglass
0: shells? Yeah. yeah those are, those heavy. are heavy. dude. <laughs> but after that, I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. And I went the other way. And I played, like, the next gig, I think it was a bop kit. It was, like, a uh, Blaymeyer 18-inch kick and then, like, a 12- and 14-inch Ludwig. All right, wrapped.
1: all right. So you don't play twenty twos very often.
0: <laughs> well, I do now because like they're great, you know. They do. They're not. They're not heavy. It's not excessive. You know. I don't know. I I, I have a lot of. I love drummers who have their own thing, mm. which is like there's been so many drummers, so it's hard to like. What's your own thing now? Um, but something that makes sense that's like cool. Like there's a guy named named Nick. He plays in a band called Sumac, okay. and he lives in. Um, Vancouver, I think. And he plays Vista Lights, which is not unique, but he has like, it's always like a 15 by 14 inch rack tom <laughs> on top of the bass, and it's like mega angled. <laughs> and it makes sense because he's a tall dude. I'm like, that's just the coolest thing ever. You know, some guys will play like mega tilted cymbals, and yeah, I like people who have their own thing.
1: Yeah, I dig it. Next question. Oh, you already said your favorite snare. Do you have one of the Keplingers here?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to show you one. I don't even know if this is a Keplinger, to be honest. I think it is. Is that a
1: Pearl free-floating system? CB700. CB700, which was that a Pearl imprint? That was like the, the entry-level $200 kit, right?
0: They also made some really good snares, believe it or not. Never seen them. Yeah. Um, not a lot. I mean, very very few. But I had a Keplinger 8x14 free-floating brass a while ago. And when he made them he would use these free floating shells, which look like Pearl. I think that actually Pearl might've, I don't know the history of that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found this on eBay out of Seattle. I bought it and it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a heavy shell. It's definitely brass. It's got a seam here. Um, but there's no, there's no markings in here. And usually what Greg would say, you know, who would sign it, not for to put oh, it right, on there. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I wonder when he started doing that from the, Probably I, I want to say the man, early '90s, maybe. Mm. Um, and I emailed him and said, "Hey, I like, is this is this your drum?" And after some back and forth, he wasn't sure. Mm. But I feel like it has to be because it came from Seattle. It's. I mean, yeah,
1: who would be ripping off his 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 thing? <laughs> dude,
0: this drum sounds insane.
1: <laughs> so that's pretty close to a bell brass, really. Sonically. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I've I've played a bell brass. I don't know, like. He cuts these out of pipes, mm. which is just the silliest thing. Ever. <laughs> like it's so cool that a dude was like, "All right, I want to make and like it's just also primitive, but it worked." Yeah, yeah. He like you know cut it down, put edges on it, you know whatever. Like and then it it, it works. So that's pretty badass. Yeah, that's my favorite. I think it's my favorite, even though it actually might not be Keplinger. <laughs> I obviously did a really nice restoration job. You see all the the. The rust on the tension rods and all that. Well, that's a good. That's a question for you. How far do you go when, when something comes in
1: and it's kind of dirty? Do you kind of leave it? I mean, what what is that you have to fix
0: versus what adds the vibe? You know, I'm going to be brutally honest. It's just how lazy I feel. <laughs> okay, <day>. fair enough. <laughs> um, so sometimes, like, if we get in a kit that's like pretty dirty, and we'll completely take off the hardware. We'll Mm. soak it, polish the shells, all that stuff. Some of the kits that come in are like close. Mm -hmm. So we'll do like, uh, Giuseppe calls them. Giuseppe's the guy that works with me. He'll call them like a showroom finish. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of like spray it down, wipe it down, make it look sparkly. So it really depends on the kit. Um, Some of the stuff's pretty gnarly. Mm -hmm. And we'll have to like take it apart and put it all together. And then when you get it together, you're like going to do a demo and then all the springs rattle. Oh, of course. That's my favorite thing. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: that's, that's my favorite thing about the uh, about the restoration. <laughs> do you then go back and stuff them or you just leave it? No. <laughs> if we can figure out what lug it is, but if it's like all of them, like I'm not doing that. Because you know, honestly, like a lot of people will buy, they'll buy kits from us and they'll get it home and then I'll see like a tag on Instagram, like, oh, like, Giving, you know, the old lady, uh, or whatever they're calling the kit, you know, giving her a, a nice scrub down. And they'll, like, take everything apart and clean it again. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what's what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So, it really depends, you know, just one
1: of those So, things. that's just, like, a, how little do you need to do to make it look sellable, right?
0: You know what? It, in, ah, some stuff I leave, though, that, like, looks old mm-hmm. and cool. Like, some, I kind of stopped cleaning nickel because... You can't make nickel dirty quick. You can make it clean. It's kind of the same thing with cymbals. I don't clean cymbals. Um, so it kind of depends. The the in thing now is like old drums that aren't old. Yeah. That like are purposely patinaed and yeah. sometimes rusted. Relict or something like that. Yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. I'm not into that. Yeah, I feel like you got to earn that. You know. I like real relic. Yeah.
1: I you want know? some old shit to be old shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. Dude, when I was a kid, man, like, and I started to skateboard, I I always thought it was so cool. Like, you'd see, like, your favorite skaters and the bottom of their boards all torn up. Oh, yeah. Like, I couldn't do a tail slide yet. It's like, I'll go up to curb and I would, like, you know, look at me. That's kind of how I feel
1: about, like, relic guitars. I mean, I I came from the era when you had freaking rails on your board. So that was the thing. Oh. How far down can you wear your rails? That's sick, though. (laughs) So you're an OG then. (laughs) Yep. And I don't remember what they were called the grind guards that would be on your trucks. We'd get those too. Grind
0: guards. <laughs> and then somebody realized that this is like excessive. You can just grind on the actual trucks, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: So, current favorite symbol? Hmm. Current
0: favorite symbol. I'm going to go get it. All right, then. All right, so, I grabbed two here, Mike. AGOPS. <clears throat> so this is a. That's not an egg up No. This is a very this is a very rare symbol. Um, I really like this one. It's got a lot of of oh, wash. No. <laughs> really really nice body to it. You know just. Uh,
1: what is that? <laughs>
0: Dude, this, I think it's, this is an old just Japanese symbol, but they usually, they don't sound good, but they don't sound like this. Like, I don't know what, 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 it, what's going on with this, but it literally.
1: <laughs> it's like it's been spray painted.
0: Some guy brought it in with some Zildjans. He's like, do you want this? I'm like, not really. He's like, we can have it. <laughs> and, uh, is I it, hit it. Is it bronze or is it brass? Do you even know? It's brass. Um, and sometimes like i I've, I've, in all seriousness, like we'll get like old, Japanese symbols in there thinner and people have hammered them and they sound kinda cool. Mm-hmm. Like I'd buy it for like thirty bucks, but this is No, that's not the one that's freaking weird. This is I think my favorite symbol I have in the shop. It's uh <clears throat> Oops. It's an Agap twenty four SIG. hmm Um, I don't know. This is just uh <laughs> It's probably way too loud for the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a twenty four. I love twenty fours. It sounds great. It's not too dry. Um so how does you've seen a lot of old K or you've seen a fair number of old
1: Ks come through over the years, I assume.
0: Some, not a lot. They're they're really hard. I've okay. never had a twenty, I've never had a twenty two. Really? No, that's like the thing is like if I find one in the wild, I probably would keep it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um lots of eighteens and hats and stuff, but they're just I feel like all the the twenty two ks just like circle, yeah, and they just keep going up and up and up, yeah, they just kind of go around, but all right, so I was wondering at how close that is to an
1: old k because I think if people don't know, the egg up factory is where the ks were originally made uh-huh. back in the day, so I'm wondering how close they are to I
0: think in my minimal experience, they're probably pretty close. I've also had some old ks that just don't sound good, yeah. The few
1: I've played were not great.
0: But they're just, they're, and it's one of those buzzwords with symbols, you know, like smoky. But they literally like, that's, the 30th, I think, 30th Agap are pretty close. Um, some of the coropes I've had kind of have that same have the vibe. Yeah, have that same vibe. But. Oh, I wanted to go back.
1: When you're getting a drum ready to sell, do you replace tension rods or do you leave the rusty, janky
0: things in there? Um, we usually clean them clean it depends i mean if, if if there's like no like chrome on it like you just toss it mm-hmm. um that's the other thing too that thing is interesting is you know some of the guys who've been doing this way longer than i have are more into the like period correct mm-hmm. you know the collector stuff and it didn't really like make sense to me it's like if you get a kit so i bought a kit the other day it's just the shells um and it's a rare kit and so when i like get it to like as close as I can but like it's not like all original if I put original parts on it's period correct Mm -hmm. so does that make it worth any more money like if you just get all the parts and put it like it's not wasn't born with a kit I think that's way cooler is like getting you know a kit in that's like I'm trying to think if I have anything I got a Superphonic the other day it's got all original heads all original Mm -hmm. tension rods that's cool because it was more than likely just kept that way so long. Long story short is, um, we try to reuse as much stuff as we can, mm-hmm. you know, within reason, like tension rods and claws and all that stuff. But we do replace them if we need to. Now, what what adds to the value and what might take away from the value of a kit <laughs> or a drum that you have to do something holes, to. extra holes, uh, modifications. Um, I think if something's born together like if we get a super classic and they're all like came from the factory together that increases the value Um, fading and wrap so if you get like a white marine pearl kit from the 70s like those just faded a lot Mm -hmm. and if there's like variation in the wrap it'll take away the value Um, out of round edges I think like there's some dings in the edges Mm. which I get why it does it but like man if there's two like dings in an edge it's not gonna make a drum sound any worse Mm. some of my friends and I will who do this will joke like we'll get kits with like the worst quote unquote worst edges and they sound amazing Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's like me expecting them to sound bad and they don't or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Would they sound better if you recut the edges? That's They the- sound different, I'm sure. <laughs> right. You know? But I don't know, like, if somebody didn't have bottom heads on and accidentally like, smacked the edge off of the bass drum, is it going to, like, no, it's not going to do make a big difference? I used to fill it with filler. And then, the, you know, people would get the drum, and like, a oh, filler popped right out. I'm like, of course it did. So I just stopped doing it. You know what
1: I mean? <laughs> Alright, that segues perfectly into some mm-hmm. of the myths. I think I think it's, you know, one of the the problems with the drum forum world is everyone is an expert and it's like, what is really important? So what are, you know, edges and what is the stuff that really contributes to the drum's sound and value versus stuff that maybe
0: a novice buyer gets too obsessed over. <laughs> oh the drum forum world. <laughs> oh, already. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing is and it's social media, like anything else, and I try to like not. Back in like when I was like a little younger, I was like, "Oh, you know, mm. that's not brass. <laughs> Shut up!" <You> know, like, <laughs> it's always the guys who are like I've been doing this for sixty years, and I'm like, "Dude, dude what have you been doing?" <laughs> you know. Um, but like, yeah, some of the, like the myths is like, you know, what is something actually worth? You know, know, I just saw like a citrus mod kit on Facebook. This guy has, he wanted a lot for it, but it was a downbeat. Like you don't ever see those kits and it had issues. And the guy was asking a lot of money, but it was like $400, Mm. you know? So I think people really undervalue what drums are worth now. Mm. Does that mean that they should be worth that? I don't know if people are buying them. Yeah. My, the guy who teaches here, Bert, we were talking about value the other day. And I'm like, yeah, it's like crazy how much prices are going up. And he's like, well, think about it. Like, is a 2213 Ludwig three-ply kit worth as much as a legacy kit? I'm like, no, it's not. Mm. And it really like made me wonder is like, that they're not that expensive compared to new drums. No. Like, I think when a Rogers came out with the, like the, I guess it would be the, they call it the pink ripple. I should know this. Oh, the Red Ripple? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a professional. The Covington, the yeah. New. They were more expensive than like getting an original one. I know. I saw that. And I had one at the time. Um, so I think, you know, the, what, what something is worth is sometimes a myth in and of itself. And it mm-hmm. goes the other way too. You know, you'll see stuff that's like, like that might sell in five years to somebody who's just bored and mm-hmm. just needs a kit right now. But, you know, what stuff is worth is really subjective too. Mm-hmm. Um, some people come in and like, you know, what's this kit worth? And they am like, well, do you want to sell it in Pittsburgh? Probably way less. You know, if you're willing to ship it somewhere, you'll get more for it. But the value thing is always kind of like mm. a myth. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. How long are you willing to wait? You know, all that stuff. Um, edges is another one. I was thinking about this yesterday. Cause I knew that you're going to ask this question is how important are edges? And listen, I've never recut an edge in my life. I'm not an expert on building drums, but what I know is that, like, I think people will put too much stock in edges. Mm. Um, some of the Japanese kits that we have, the edges are flaking off, there's cracks, and they sound great. <laughs> yeah, you had one in here you yeah, have the other day. We have this uh, Tiger's Eye kit in the back, and it's literally firewood. <laughs> and I haven't even looked at the edges, but, like, it sounds awesome. It sounds really good. So I, I think we might put a little bit too much stock in edges. I think like if you're thinking about the profile, like people, I, di- I do this stupid thing where, you know, I'll it, maybe it's not stupid, but like you ask, you ask me anything on Instagram and people mm-hmm. will always say, well, which this brand over that brand? And it was all, like, it was never Slingerland. I'm like, well, you hate Slingerland. I'm like, no, I don't hate Slingerland. <laughs> um, but I, their edges are, a lot of their edges are just like, Flat yeah. And yeah. fat. And that matters. You know, I had a kit that I had come in and my guy like re-wrapped it and he re- reprofiled the edges. This kit slammed. Mm. It sounds so good. So stuff like that matters. But like if there's dents and dings or like, you know, some like a little ply separation, it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's a myth.
1: Forks drum closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by the storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com.
0: Myths. What are some other myths? Are you having to, like, educate your
1: customers often about that
0: kind of stuff? It's tough because I, I don't want to, like, I feel like there's a tendency to talk down to people. Oh, yeah. Um. And if somebody asks me a question, and I get that a lot, is like, does, a, does the kit sound good? And <laughs> like, so when I was doing this out of my house, which is how I started, um, a lot of the kits I couldn't even play because like I live in my, like I'm not trying to like bash on drums at 10, 10 p.m. at night and wake up my neighbors. And right, right. I, I would just say I haven't played it. Um, what was the, I totally forgot what the question even was. Oh, or educated, educated Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah, yes and no. And I don't want to like sell people on stuff. Like I used to have a sales job before I got into drums and it was, I hated it. So if somebody like wants some education, like I had a guy call in about a kit the other day and he hadn't had a vintage kit. That's different. Like oh, he'll ask him questions about the rap and holes. That's different than like me trying to sell people. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if somebody like wants to argue with me on reverb about something, I'm not going to do that, Mm -hmm. you know? But I think that there is a little bit of education, people knowing that's important for people to know what they're buying. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what's the difference between a six ply kit or a six ply Ludwig and a three ply Ludwig? Or um, do brass hoops matter on a snare drum? Stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on brass hoops? They're great. Me too. They're yeah. great. Yeah. Um, what was it? <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Oh, so like if you get like one of those. I'll bring it over, actually. Hold on.
1: Oh, that's the one that I don't want to play because I'm going to fall in love with it. This is
0: a good one. All right, so we're talking about Brass Hoops. This is a pre-serial. Yeah, this is a pre-serial Superphonic. It was actually a super sensitive, so if you look at it. The holes on top. Yeah. Um, They made a lot more of these. I don't know why, but you just see a lot of super sensitives that are Chrome over brass, mm. but this has chrome over brass hoops. Um, I think these ones, these ones look like they're pretty much in round. A lot of them aren't, mm. um, and that's one thing that's not a myth. Is like, if a hoop's like really out of round, man, it can like really be hard to tune. Mm. Um, same thing with a shell out of round shell makes heads fit tighter. You get less of a tuning range, but. Oops, is something loose in here? Probably something fell off. But yeah, I mean, put these hoops on like a superphonic or something else and it'll definitely make it mm-hmm. way better. But they also bend a lot easier and they also like will chip and a lot of times we'll get a Slinger limb, and there'll be like a pinch point where someone like maybe dropped the drum mm. or something because it's just such a softer metal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So- Let's talk
1: about black beauties versus chrome over brass. Okay. Do you hear a difference?
0: They're different shells. Hmm. So this is, and you definitely can't see this. Someone <laughs> pretend like you can. <laughs> this is a a rolled one piece shell. So what that means, it's just like if you think about like, uh, let's say that you're wrapping a present for your family for Christmas. You like roll lay out the wrapping paper, right? Same thing with the shell is like. They'll lay out the shell and then they'll bring it together. Mm. This is a very crude way of (laughs) explaining this. And then they weld the shell together. So it's not like a, there's a point here and you can kind of see it where they welded the shell together. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's not a spun shell. Black Beauty is a spun and drawn shell, which that's the way they used to do it at least. how they do it, I, I'm not like a builder, so I can't explain it, but it's, it's a different way to make a drum. And they definitely do sound different. Um, and you can 100% hear the difference between a 70s Black Beauty and a modern one. Mm. They're different.
1: I think they're they're mm. probably thicker too. The older ones? That's yeah. why the 70s ones are like so hard to find. They're great, dude. One <laughs> of my favorite drums.
0: That was one of the ones I, ca- I like had to keep. Uh-huh. And then I got bored of it. Because it was, I like wasn't. You I wasn't sold u- it. I've had a couple of them. All right, man. They're great, man. Like that's <laughs> the one. Like you know what I want? I want a, uh, I want a '70s engraved one. I've never seen one. Yeah, they're, the floral ones. But I just don't want to spend nine bajillion dollars. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so how do like the old '20s black beauties compare to the '70s or newer?
0: They're different. Let me go get another drum. All right. <laughs> All right, i got two drums here. So we were talking about 20s Black Beauties. Mm -hmm. This is obviously not a Black Beauty. All right, 20s, 20s.
1: Okay, what is this? (laughs) So it's not a Black
0: Beauty. Clearly, it's not Black. But this is a (laughs) dance model. And it's a 20s 10 lug, which is, no, this is an 8 lug. Sorry. They did make 8 lug lug Black Beauties. But the same shell. This is a two-piece shell. Mm. Do you know how they made these shells? I have no idea. So, this is called the bead here. Yep. And what they would do is, this is the one piece here, it's the second piece, and they'd weld it at the bead. So if you look at the inside, it's hard to see, but you could, there's like a little seam on the inside of that bead. Oh. Where they put the she- so it's not like a vertical. Um, and these also have uh, flanges on them, which you can see, but they would weld some of them they would weld the uh, flange closed, and it's that's one of these things that's not a myth. Is these drums sound way different than a two-piece shell that don't have welded edges? And, like, create I don't know what it is. It's like creates like a column of sound. Hmm. It's really, but these are some of my favorite shells.
1: Well, well, which ones would be welded and which ones wouldn't? Or was it just random? I have no
0: idea. Um, so there's no way to tell by year or anything like that. There might be, and like that's another thing. Is like I just. I'm not like one of those guys. It's like, then what question, what year is a kit? I don't know. If there's not like, if there's not like and that's, uh, that was a douchey thing to say. <laughs> but if there's not a date stamp on it, I just don't like put a lot of stock in all the, the charts yeah, online, yeah. Um, which is why I think it's cool when there's a date stamp. Now this one, this is another 20s. This is obviously not a Black Beauty. Um, I think that this was probably Nickel originally. Mm-hmm. And then they just stripped it down to the brass. But this is another two-piece so shell. So that's
1: the same, same model as that, essentially, but yeah, bigger. Yeah, just a six
0: by fifteen. Six excuse by me, fifteen by fifteen by six and a half. This is a one, two, three, four, five, six. 10 Look. So this was, you know, the same shell, two-piece, welded edges. I never even looked inside this
1: trailer. So you prefer the welded
0: edges? This actually might. I don't know. The inside's kind of dark it wasn't a black beauty because you'd be able to see the engraving um but yeah dude two piece shells are that's another one that i had for a while i bought a six and a half by 14 10 lug some mods in it i don't care about the mods it was just great drum mm. the thing that sucks about these is the throw-offs are absolute garbage mm-hmm. so they'll break this one has a hole underneath it from the original throw-off but i don't care about that stuff this is the uh I'll show the original throw-off here. This one, you probably can't see this on the camera, but it has a Ludwig stamp, which I think is pretty cool. See that there? Oh, uh, yeah. The thing. Slick. Yeah.
1: So the 20s era nickel over brass is the same shell as the Black Beauties mm-hmm. of the era. But when you get into the 70s, a superphonic, brass superphonic is not a Black Beauty.
0: No. Did I no. know that? Now, I have, I have had a couple of Superphonics that were black beauty shells that they chromed, which are pretty sick. That's crazy. Why would they do that? I don't know. That's a, that's a, okay, that's, a, that's another myth is you hear, you know, in the drum form circles, you hear a lot about like when Ringo came over and played mm-hmm. that Sullivan show, which I think was 1963 or 64. I think it's 64. And I mean, that just changed... The whole industry, because there was a lot of Slingerland, like was the big company before mm-hmm. then, and yeah, then Ludwig, Jim Krupa. right, right, and so they were pumping out like so many drums, especially in the '60s, and the quality control on those drums is not great. Mm. Um, which is another thing too is like a lot of those shells are not in round; they'll have like a big hump, especially on the floor tom where the uh, oh yeah scarf joint I've goes seen in. Those for sure. Man, I I got a side of snare drum one time. <laughs> the joke is always it was a Friday in the factory. And the uh, snare bed was on the bowder edge <laughs> <laughs> for like forty years. No one fixed it. <laughs> you know what they did? So the standard Ludwig standard shells are B stock shells. It was a, they're like, oh, we'll just make it a standard shell. Like you can't, like you know. So I think there, there's a lot of some things are just not. There's not like a rule, you know. There's not like these hard fast rules for what what left the factory and what didn't mm. i've heard stories and granted stories of like the ludwig talking about sometimes you would use like balsa wood it was like kind of like what they had like they ran out you know what i mean and the, another thing is you know with the 60s ludwigs people will ask you know what what's the, the ply layup and they're all, most of them are painted white on the inside i don't know why they did that it was stupid mm. so you kind of have to like look at the edge and like, well, I heard it was either mahogany, poplar, mahogany, or maple, mahogany, maple. A lot of them are maple, poplar, mahogany. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that really matters that much, you know? I always heard it was if they were wrapped or, or painted, that would be a determining factor. Might be. I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, and that's another thing is I, people be like, you know so much about drums. I know a little bit. I don't know a lot. Mm. You know, like Rob Cook knows a lot. That guy knows a lot. I didn't know that the standard shells were B-stock. hmm have you had some, like, incredible standards? <laughs> Honestly, a lot of them sound better than the, than the classic kits. And really? uh, Yeah, it, I don't... They use different hardware, so they, they have... Uh, I'm standard looking here. I do, but it, it doesn't matter. They use different lugs, mm-hmm. and the, they're, like, lower profile, and they're more lightweight, so I think that probably is, is a thing. Mm. So the shells resonate, but, yeah, they sound awesome. And they're like way cooler wraps too. Mm -hmm. They do like all the strata wraps. They do like lemon strata, ruby strata, blue strata, avocado strata. So. All
1: right. I'm learning some stuff. All right.
0: This
1: might, you might've already answered this, but has there been something that you expected to love, but you found it to be a bit of a letdown?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, let's see here. Gretch. Sorry, Gretch. <laughs> no, Gretch. So we were talking about this off camera, but Mike, uh, Mike's a Gretch hater. <laughs> I'm not a hater. I just don't want to pay the money for them. Simple that, as that. That's fair.
1: Because I don't want to pay money. And I played some round badges that sound like garbage. So
0: um, hold on. I'm going to get something else because we're doing the get stuff thing. <laughs> All right. So this is a good Gretch. This is a 50s. Um, this is one of our rental kits. It's a progressive jazz and white marine pearl. Um, That looks nice. Yeah, so this is a good kit because this is a three-ply Tom. In the three-ply ones, which they model the broadcasters off of, um, they're not as oversized as the round badge ones, which Mm. is why I don't really like round badge drums. And even some of the 70s uh, stop sign badge drums because they just, and they make like classic fit heads, which do help. I saw a a round, uh, excuse me, a stop sign badge progressive jazz kit that was wrapped to a friend of mine. He's a collector. And um, sent the kid in. He's like, dude, I can't, I can't get heads on this kit. Mm-hmm. And they're in round. Um like, ah, uh, well, did you try classic? But he's like, I got some on the way. Yeah, You <laughs> he got hell. And he's like, dude, I have to jam these classic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess they were just calfskin only back then. I mean, um,
0: I don't know, man. That's just weird. It's just the ones that, that are natural finish, I think are probably easier to get on, mm. but a lot. A lot of, uh, not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot, but it's not uncommon to get a round badge badge from this era and you take the head off and then the wrap is either cut Mm -hmm. or it's like all cracking. Mm -hmm. The the kit that Mike Johnson had, that's the issue with that kit is I got it and the wrap had been cut back. Mm -hmm. But it sounded awesome because the wrap had been cut back and the head could fit on there. So it's not all Gretsch. I mean, Gretsch USA no, excuse me the square badge arrow gratch is my favorite because mm-hmm. they're so I think they're still Jasper shells but they they're like they're the right size mm-hmm. you can get a head on easily they tune up great they tune down great way better tuning range um, yeah and also like you don't have to spend 10 grand to get a stop sign badge bop kit mm-hmm.
1: so what year did they that was like 70s mostly
0: uh, square badge is 80s 80s yeah I think it was eighty, eighty-one. They did the stop sign badge with the drop G on them, mm-hmm. and then they went the square badge. Okay,
1: sweet. All right, so you're a Gretsch hater as well. That's good to know. <laughs> I'm a Slingerland hater. Might get it right. <laughs> what are some of the most underrated drum snares or cymbals, in your opinion?
0: Made in Japan drums.
1: Okay, mentioned that earlier. It, so, yeah. what does that mean? Is that they're all Tama or Pearl? Who's making? Yeah, them? there's two factories. There's Tama and
0: Pearl. I oh, mean, I should know the name of the factories. I don't. But basically, at the time, like American drums, are what everybody wanted. Yeah. And so, um the Japanese market was making their version of the drums, and uh, way cheaper. Like, almost like firewood. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to go grab one more drum. All right. That looks absolutely amazing. All right, so this is uh, a Japanese drum. It's a Norma. These are also called stencil drums because basically, like, they're all the same drums for the most part, and they just would make up, like, a a brand name. Mm. Norma, U.S. Mercury. Oh, why am I forgetting all the... I mean, couldn't uh, Whitehall... There's like so many of them. They're all the same. Um, but they just would copy mm. American hardware. So like, look at these lugs compared to this one. Yeah, they're pretty much same. Almost the same, the same right? Yeah. So they were, I don't know if you can see this on camera. They would like try to copy as much as they could. Look, stick savers, style hoops, yep. Slingerland. Weird. Is there a diamond plate on this
1: one here? So they're, they're like combining Gretsch yeah. and Slingerland Diamond plate, and- yeah. Ludwig. <laughs> um all into one
0: but like the shell man is like literally this actually is not terrible but it looks like they just like grabbed grabbed it off like the home depot floor you know there's a thinner shell that's really good it's it's called luon which is i think japanese mahogany Mm -hmm. i put rings in there but that's what it looks like right yeah
1: now is it Correct me if I'm wrong. That's what some of the CNC stuff is made of. luon, right? Yeah. So their player date is was kind of like borrowed from that type of thing. So th- that's like a weird, like full circle American company borrowing yeah. from the Japanese company that was borrowing from the American companies. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely <laughs>
0: because there's a market. I mean, like this kid, I think is worth selling for like 600 bucks, maybe. Which, like five or six years ago, was like unheard of. Like, higher or lower? Higher. Well, like higher now because mm-hmm. like people and I've heard that uh, the customers that we saw like the Japanese stuff to use it to record because mm-hmm. that's I think now especially like in the country scene a lot of like the quote unquote bad sounding drums are like kind of coming in you, you like can think
1: Aaron Sterling I think for the trend he's been ranting about him for a few he's years he's a boss
0: <laughs> His thing is from what I've heard is he would like when he was touring he'd like have all these awful backline kits which just got like <laughs> he would just get like so mad and bored and he's like I just want to make these sound cool and that's you know what he did but he gigged a uh, a Japanese kit with John Mayer
1: yeah the US Mercury I think yeah yeah I mean this Isn't is that a, crazy? this is a beautiful I mean that badge is just absolutely silly I love that it's got a registered trademark symbol on it Norma Norma
0: it's got the like even like fake remo. I mean I guess these are like well, Remo Soundmaster. You'd see these a lot like on the Japanese kits so like the Remo but I guess probably not Remo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let's crank through a
1: few more of these here. Crank em. What are the most important things to look for when buying a
0: used or vintage drum? Um, so for me is like a, a bit, cause this is a, you know, it's a business. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like I'm a drummer first. The only reason I do this is cause I play drums. Um, what makes sense for us to invest in? Mm-hmm. Like I view each purchase as a small investment, you know, and there's like a scale. Like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who owns a shop and like, we'll pay more for something that's like rare because mm. we know we could sell it and it's cool to have but then like the middle of the road stuff is like is it worth for us to pay the money to buy this kit does it need work do we got to clean it do I have to pay my employees for all that stuff so it's like what is the value mm. um, that's the number one thing like I don't I don't want to and some people you know customers they always laugh they're like well I know you need to make money on this I know that the snare drum sells for 400 so they want to make you a deal I'll do 385 <laughs> <laughs> You know, so they don't quite understand how capitalism works. The margins are, and uh, honestly, like, it's a difficult conversation to have because we do buy a lot from folks who've had drums forever. Yeah. Like, we bought the Avante kit we were looking at earlier from the original owner. Yeah. And there's definitely like a. uh, I think I'm going to take it home one day. Mike, I would love to. Staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the silliest idea of a drum kit. Um, But I think it's tough because they've had these for years. Yeah. And having conversations about like selling to a dealer who's going to just turn around and sell it. It's, it's can be touchy sometimes because it's, I don't want anybody to feel like they're getting ripped off. I don't want to lie to anybody. Um, And that's kind of the nature of like, frankly, a capitalist, not to go down that route, like capitalist business. Yeah. So what is the value? Does it make sense for us to invest in it?
1: Yeah. Otherwise, you just sell it privately. But didn't you got to deal with shipping it yourself?
0: I had that. that conversation with a customer. They said, first, you're better off selling it on your own. Well, I don't want to do that. Okay. Here's what we can give you for it. Well, let's know what it's worth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to sell it on your own? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> We're not a
1: laundering facility <laughs> here. <laughs> Let me tell you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not a pawn shop. So... <laughs> I think other things to think about when buying is like, is this something cool? Is it something that fits in with our brand? Um, we are trying to like expand into like newer stuff, CNC, Q, Caring yeah. Rogers, hopefully like some other brands eventually, you know, accessories. Does it fit into your brand? Mm-hmm. You know, like some people will call in and like we just- don't do electric sets.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't see like a lot of 80s, like power toms or 90s. Those are cool
0: though, man. But you don't have any. Because people buy them. Oh, there's one right there. There's yeah, a there's power. a couple. There's a couple. I do like power tom kits. Okay. Zach Glenn from Jimmy World records with a Gretch power tom, rack tom. It's dope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess they'll come back eventually. You're still seeing... 60s, 70s,
0: some 80s, but not like late 80s yet, right? It's coming, man. It's coming, though. I liked it. We saw a lot of Tama. Do you like Tama? And uh, I would totally, if I was like a big gigging guy, oh, power toms for sure. Yeah? I'm trying to get Giuseppe to like do like a crazy kit because he plays with the Devil Horse Prada. Like something stupid to like (laughs) make sense. You know, like, I don't know. Iron Maiden kit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I get, sometimes we'll get these like concert Tom kits in and like, they're cool, but it's like 15 pieces. Yeah. 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 Then what do you do with that? People buy them. I don't know what they do. I just like, and they're, they're like not, they're like not rigs of dad guys either.
1: (laughs) All right. We have to talk a
0: little bit about your background. Sure. How did you get into buying and selling old drums and why? So I think I touched base on this. I was I've been playing in bands since I was, like, a teenager. Hmm. Um, I was never a gear guy, ever. Like, I, the guys I was in bands with, like, you know, always taking pictures of their pedal board, like, yeah, man, I moved uh, my boss pedal up the chain. Like, I don't care. Learn the song, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, can you play? Yeah. Right. And that's what I was like, dude, play your instrument. But I also sucked. So, like, But I remember uh, probably when I was, like, maybe 23, 24, I don't know. I was like watching a YouTube video of a Vista light kit. I'm like, this is f- sick, man. Mm. That's cool. Um, and on a whim, I was in a Facebook group and I had my Tamastar classic. It was the first real drum kit I bought with my own money. I walked into a store. I didn't know anything about like, again, a gear. I'm like, that's a cool looking kit. Uh, he's like, all right. He's like, well, that one sold the order you one. And he's like, what size? I'm like, I don't know. 24 base, whatever. I don't have a whole lot of money. Anyway, I traded. I put on a whim in the forum. Does anybody want this? I'm looking for a Vista Light. Guy responded. 26, 13, 16, black Vista mm. Mega clean. We traded it. And that was it. I remember bringing it to the practice space. And I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I'm not a tall guy. And the kick's like way up here. And it's like real thin. Because I was playing like an 18-inch kick at the time. Uh-huh. And I just hit him like this sounds terrible because I had terrible heads on it. But <laughs> like it was sick. <laughs> and so from then I just was like, I traded that. I traded that. I got this. I You know, I was always looking for the next mm, the kit. Mm-hmm. And then I ordered a CNC Kermit Green kit. I'm like, this is the kit. And I played it for a while. I'm like, it wasn't the kit. <laughs> so I, I ended up with all this gear. And like it was kind of like a side hustle. So I'm like, well, you know, it'd be cool to make some money here and there. And then my basement filled up and. My wife family's like, man, like I, I gotta we gotta get to the laundry. Like we gotta,
1: <laughs> we gotta get to the laundry.
0: She's like, get the stuff out of here. So we, <laughs> I found a cheap warehouse space, moved into there, had a discussion with my landlord about how I in fact bought and sold drums and I'd be playing drums which he apparently did not listen to at all because a week later I got an email saying, hey man, can you not play drums during business hours? I said, excuse me, mm. this is literally an old hospital and I understand that you are somehow have a, have a daycare on the first floor. So then I had to find a new spot <laughs> and then I moved down to the street here and I moved into the dump station and was there for a year and then the pandemic hit and there was a drum shop here, they closed and then I moved in here. So that's the very short version. No intentions of starting a business, no intentions of owning a drum shop. It just kind of happened. So is there anything in here currently that
1: has stayed with you through all of that transition, like the original era Hawthorne?
0: There is, but it's it's not cool.
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter. What do you got? What, 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 is what stayed with you?
0: All
1: right, hold on, a hi-hat stand?
0: A hi-hat stand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Sorry about that. Can you guys see that on here? All right. <laughs> It's a very rare Iron Cobra. I don't know if you know this about Tim and Mike, but they are the legend in innovation. <laughs> they sure are. Yeah, this is, I don't know, this is just, uh, so this that was my w- original, like, Iron Cobra stand. And it's, I used to put tape on it, just so you didn't get your hardware mixed up with other Iron Cobra. <laughs> <at the venue. laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I got a 9000 but.
1: Is this currently for sale?
0: No. Okay. <laughs> I literally will never sell this. Somebody could say five hundred dollars, and I wouldn't sell it. All right. That's so dumb.
1: <laughs> it's your Hyatt stand. Yeah, it's my
0: Hyatt stand, man. It's great. It works great. It's got the little strap on here and everything.
1: So that's the only thing that's remained with you from
0: all the different iterations. Um, my Keplinger, my seven by fourteen brass, which is the only drum I've ever modded mm. that wasn't already modded, has been around for a while. Interesting. Do you want to see that? Yeah, grab it. All right.
1: Oh no, that looks like a Keplinger.
0: Yes, sir. So this is uh, it's not a special drum. I mean, you can you can buy these still. Oh. Check one two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good with mics. Clearly. Um, yeah. Th- I mean, it's not a special drum. You can still buy them. Greg makes them. It's a seven x fourteen brass Keplinger. I got it used, but it was like barely played. So it was like mm-hmm. there's no patina on it. Um, it had this. Wait, was it a trick throw off on there? I guess, or was it a Dunnett throw off?
1: It's got a donette on um, butt end.
0: It was probably Dunnett. Don't yell at me, Ron. Please, you're <laughs> watching this. It's not a good throw off. I broke it, and then I bought another one, and I broke. But the spacing on them is like this, and no one makes a throw off that fits that spacing. Mm. So I put an Indy one on, and you can see the original hole back there. So, but that drum is just—it's perfect.
1: What are these holes? That's just his vent holes? Yeah. So he just drills some holes Very
0: advanced technology. It's got to be heavy. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much like a belt brass. It's 17 I mean, pounds.
1: Yeah, I don't know what, what more yeah. you could chase. It's a heavy-ass yeah. brass drum.
0: But this is one of our rentals, too. You know, it's I gig with it. I've sent it out on studio sessions and, and all that. So it's a special drum. I won't sell that one. Mm. I won't sell it.
1: Well, we literally covered everything. Did we? We did. That's great. Make I'm glad sure. we did that. So sure We didn't miss anything. No, nope. we got it all. So I guess to wrap up, everyone can reach you at, what's the website? www.hawthorndrumshop.com.com .com. And then you're very active on Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what is this? Uh, just at Hawthorne Drum Shop. Um, we... We have retail hours. We're Friday and Saturday, noon to five um, appointment throughout the week. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is fun. Hopefully yeah, I wasn't too much of an idiot like well, I usually am. Let's
1: see how the audio sounds <laughs> since you talked in the side of the microphone. For the whole
0: time? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right. You could have told me to not do that. <laughs>
1: that's it for this week's episode hope you enjoyed this slightly different approach i'm going to try to do some more in-person interviews as often as i can if you enjoy the show please head over to itunes wherever you get your podcast give us a five-star rating and i would love it we would greatly appreciate it if you could write a review to help spread the word about the show get this into the ears of more drummers around the world so we will do something slightly different again next week so stay tuned and we'll see you then